You're listening to Mountain View Church Audio. My name's Jeremy, and I'm a local pastor here in Whitehorse, Yukon Territory. Each week, we bring you a fresh message designed to help you encounter Jesus through biblical instruction. You don't have to know anything about the Bible. We're just glad you're here. When I was a kid growing up, I used to love being out in the snow, playing in it, having snowball fights, building snowmen, whatever. Now, as any kid can tell you, there are two ways to build a snowman. You can grab handfuls of snow, build him from the ground up like a nincompoop, or you can roll a small snowball around the yard, and before you know it, voila, snow torso, then lather, rinse, repeat, and add two sticks and a carrot. Dave Ramsey's philosophy of the debt snowball works on the same principle. You can try to eliminate your debt handfuls at a time, or you can allow your debt payments to snowball and you can beat your debt down. Step one is to find $200 in your budget that isn't designated for anything. How will you find $200? That's entirely up to you. Sell something, sell anything you don't need, like your weightlifting set or your monogram Paula Deen diabetes baking kit. Maybe you need to eliminate your cable TV, dining out, or your $4.50 a day morning dose of price gouging, disappointingly tasteless caffeine. Now that you have that, your next step is to list all your debts in increasing order of how much you owe. In this example, we have 450 owed to Lowe's for the new grill that you just had to have. 650 for Target for your shoes, your belt, and your purse, the essential matching set, and your flat screen TV. Then there's a 1600 you owe to your parents for that time your transmission went out on your sweet vintage 98 Accord, and so on. Make a list of all the debts you have, lowest to highest. The next step is where the snowball starts. We're going to pay the minimum payment on all the debts, for now, except the one with the smallest balance. For the lowest card, we'll pay the minimum payment of $50, plus the $200 that we found. So guess what? After two months of paying $250, your Lowe's debt is gone. Next, we'll take that $250 you were paying Lowe's and snowball into the minimum payment of your Target card. So now we are paying $280 a month, and after a couple more months, just like magic, your Target card is paid off. You continue this process each time, snowballing your old payments into your new payments like Buddy the Elf. And before long, all your debts are gone. Now, an important thing to note is that during this process, you have to keep the snowball rolling for it to work. So no matter how much you love that new Urban Outfitters overpriced dress or the toolbox or that new TV to replace the one you smashed in in a fit of anger after stupid Kobe missed that stupid game-winning free throw after, you have to wait. The debt snowball is the fastest, most effective way to tackle a lot of debt and pay it off quickly. Using the examples we had, if you were to pay the minimum balance on all the loans you had, It would take you 120 months before the debt was paid. That is 10 years. 10 years of playing Jean Valjean to the bank's inspector Javert. But if you use the debt snowball, you can have all these debts paid off in just 21 months. That's less than two years. That's 99 more months of freedom. And additionally, if you take that $1,100 that you were snowballing and invested at 8% interest for those 99 months, you'd have $153,000. Okay. Once you've used the debt snowball and you pay off kind of the little debts and then roll it into the bigger debts, bigger debts, bigger debts, and you are left with uh, a mortgage 
There is a temptation to get footloose and fancy free and uh, the debt dabbling and uh, credit comfort will be close at the door. And that's when you have to dig in hard on the third step and that is uh, beef up your emergency fund. Because one of the major crises that comes is job loss. And job loss, a lot of times people will say, well, we're in debt because I lost my job. And this was, this, is a, this was a massive part of the crisis in Alberta. And it's interesting, if I look at, say, 2006 in Alberta and how people talked, how people lived, housing, stuff like that, it's a little bit scary for me living in the Yukon because the same verbiage that I hear from people in the Yukon in this current time period is very much like 2006 Alberta. People are like, there's always going to be jobs. We're always going to have jobs. Job security is guaranteed in the Yukon. They can't find enough people. Same stuff. And there is nothing that will stop your debt payments or, come, or bring it back, like losing your job and not being able to get another one. But that's why that saving three to six months as, as step three can prevent that. If you lose your job, if kind of the markets change and maybe the government turns off the tap to the territory or the mining's closed, mines close or whatever happens in our economy, if you have three to six months of expenses, you can go home to your family and say, I lost my job. It's, it's really bad news. I need to find another one here pretty quick. But don't worry. That three to six months that we saved in our savings account to cover our expenses while I find a new job, it's great. This is what we saved for. We won't have to get back into debt. And you will love when the job ends, you will love the security you have to take the three to six months to find a new job and not just be forced into the first thing that comes because you did that and then raise up that three to six months. Now, all that being said, I understand what it's like to face this. And maybe some of you are out there and you're like, I am in debt. I do believe I'm enslaved or I'm shortly to be enslaved. And I really, really want to do this. Well, it's terrifying. It's facing debt is absolutely terrifying. There's going to be moments where you 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 don't know where money's going to come, or you you've cut up that credit card and you've said, "I'm not going to use the credit card. I'm going to only use a debit card or cash, and I'm not going to let the bank pull me in again." That's terrifying. I promise you, it is so terrifying, and. and This is why simply doing those steps, simply handing out those steps and saying, oh, do this and it's a miracle, it's not that easy. If you find out more about Dave Ramsey as a financial advisor and and hear him talk more about his relationship with the Lord, he's a Christian and he has a very, very vibrant relationship with Jesus and a lot of his biblical principles, he, he will also state that you can't just work the principles. There's something called faith that is needed. And I think, you know, the best way we can see this and to face the anxiety and the stress and the fear of facing debt and trying to move to financial freedom from slavery and bondage, uh, the, the best words that I think we can come up with, Jesus gives us in Luke 12. And Gospel Luke is in the New Testament. It's the third book of the New Testament. It's an account of Jesus' life and his ministry and a lot of his teachings. Uh, and in... Chapter 12, uh, Luke records some of Jesus' teaching about, about kind of fear and anxiety of the future, specifically related to food, clothing, money, possessions. What's the future going to hold? Because 
again, remember that debt becomes a false security blanket. That's what it did to me. And it, but it's not true security. Jesus is the only one that can provide true security. And, and here's what he says. In verse 24 of, of chapter 12, he writes this. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life, span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Faith is the superpower of working debt steps. Steps won't save you, Jesus will. And facing debt begins with faith in Jesus so that you can choose faith over fear. And this is what Jesus is talking about. You have little faith. If, 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 if you're going to have, don't even, if you can't be faithful in like food and clothing and small things, how will you be able to be faithful in the big things like God getting you out of debt and helping you work the steps and get out of them? And, and it's so important that we understand that faith brings freedom. Faith brings freedom. Debt brings slavery. Because there will be a time, I promise you there'll be a time, that you're going to be working that debt snowball and a minor crisis will come or a major crisis will come and you're just going to be like, I give up, I don't care. I still do that now. I, I still will have, uh, have things happen in our life where though I don't have the debt load, it, that, that I struggle trusting. That I'm like, man, I'm trying to, to, to save, I'm trying to manage my money and then look what happens. It's so easy to choose fear over faith. How am I going to pay for this? How are we going to do this? Now we're going to have to start fresh. But Jesus is saying, look, ravens and lilies, they're nothing compared to the love and affection and care that God has for you. He loves you with more glory and majesty and care than any of his other creation. He'll care for you. I heard an account uh, today, someone in our congregation, they told me that for a couple weeks ago, for the first time in their life, they bought a car not on credit. They saved for five years, $300 for five years. $300 for five years saved up and then was able to walk to the dealership and say, I want a car. Now, you could have just bought it on the dealership five years before, but in the end, you'd end up paying way more. But there's probably lots of times during those five years where, what if the car breaks down? I want a new car now. What, what does it take to hold off? It takes faith. You have, to, you have to have faith that you'll be able to save the money. You have to have faith that if, if, if your current car breaks down, that, that God will provide for it. And let me tell you, I was in sales before I uh, was in ministry. We are not your friend. It, salesmen, they love your hockey team. They also love every other hockey team. They love the hockey team, whoever walks in there. 
And you're like, no, you don't understand. This, this guy down at the dealership, he and I, you know, we're tight. We have fr- we're friends with everyone. We're tight with everyone. We will say we like any hobby. We will say we like any team. Because the whole, we need to develop a relationship. Common in sales, the primary thing you want to do is develop a relationship with the customer. Do anything. Find a common story. Have them feel that they're connected to you. They're just buttering you up. And the next thing is we need to try to find out a need. For, next thing in sales, you have to try to find, listen to what they're saying, and try to find a need, something that they care about. But even greater than a need is a fear. That's why in, in, in the Yukon, the best thing for a dealership to hear is that you live outside of town. It's like a gold mine. You know the roads here. It's going to be January. It's going to be 80 below. And you're going to be outside of town. And it's going to be 12.01 a.m. Why are you driving at 12.01 a.m.? Don't interrupt my story. And you're going to be caught in that road and no one will be there. You will be alone, cold, and that car will not be running. I love you enough to give you a plan. Have you seen the new F-150s? This baby will never break down for the first five years that you own it, ever. Are you sure? Yeah, we have a full warranty. Well, if I break down, out, do you guys, how do, I, how do I fix my, don't worry about that. We have to, as salespeople, we have to try to get you to be afraid. We have to remove the trust you have of your old vehicle, and we need to remove that and place your trust into the new vehicle. We don't want you to look statistics And we don't want you to look at the fact that new vehicles also break down because we layer that with the warranty. But the warranty doesn't help you at 12.01 a.m. when it's 80 below. You're still going to have to phone a friend. The Ford dealership is not going to come out in the middle of the night and give you a ride. He's not going to give you his personal phone number. But you can't do that. They have got to code it to you to make you think and, and just talk to someone who's over 65 and ask them about the way vehicles were made before and after. You'll hear them say, I don't know why things don't just work like they used to. All these cheaper parts, everything just seems to break quicker. Why is that? But newer works way better. It's way more efficient. Look at the stats. It's just not true. All things made by man break, and sometimes randomly. But see, this is the faith-trust component, right? We say, I have more faith in a salesman. People have said they have more faith in me in sales than they do in anyone else. And often, there's usually a spouse there, I think we should think about this. I don't know if we should really do this. Ma'am, it's usually the wife that's the voice of reason, just being real. You know, I hate to pick on a certain gender, but men are often the one that get pulled in nine times out of ten. Got to distract. Or you give a card. Why don't you come back on your own? Take time. Think about it. Let's set up appointment. This is the way it works. But if you look at our culture, the difference now 
You heard Katie on that video. She talked about the thing that she left in Africa was community. And she struggled in Canada to find community because this country, the way it used to be, when stuff broke down, you called someone and you fixed it. But we, our culture, our consumer culture, and specifically our debt load, has isolated us into being slaves in our own lives, and community has totally broke down in Western culture, and so much of it has to do with our finances. And you look at a continent like Africa versus North America, and you talk to people from Africa, and they would talk about the community that they had. And yet for us, we're like, how does that make sense? How can a whole continent feel that they have greater community and yet have so much more poverty than we do? We have so much stuff and so much wealth. Shouldn't we be happier? And the more we get fearful... And the more money we spend on the next thing that'll make us feel good and solve all our problems, it's going to break. It's going to fail you. There is nothing you can put your money in that will solve any of it. And Jesus calls out and says, look at the ravens and the lilies. Quit worrying about this. Don't increase your debt load. Don't keep buying stuff. Don't keep doing it. Trust me. And so the question for all of us now is, will I live by faith? Every single one of us, no matter where you are on the debt or savings journey, because on the other side of this, there's people that just sit on mountains and mountains of cash and they don't do anything with it. And as Billy Graham has said, I ain't never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. When you die, it doesn't go with you. And you can say, oh, I'm just going to give it all to my kids. Look at the research on giving your kids a pile of money when they haven't had it. There is nothing that will break them down more than giving them a pile of money. Really think hard about what you're going to do with all that money. You can't go from not having a lot and having, then all of a sudden having it. Do some research on Hollywood or Wall Street and getting rich. Never goes well. And so wherever we are on this whole spectrum, wherever you are, I don't know where you're at. I don't know your financial situation, but each one of us is, will I live by faith? Will, will I look at Jesus' words? Will I look at Solomon's warning and will I take it seriously? Will I choose faith for freedom or will I choose fear and debt for slavery? There's another account in the gospel, and the gospel's about Peter. And they were out in a storm, and Jesus had come walking on the water, and the disciples thought it was a ghost. They were terrified. And, and, and Peter, you know, it's, it's Jesus, or it might be Jesus, but you kind of have to check on it and really see. And out of all the disciples, Peter says, I'm going to go. And he steps out of the boat and he walks on water. The rest of the disciples stayed in the boat. For sure, they're like, you're a nut job. What I've seen being on the other side with debt in Western culture, it's, it's, a, it's a faith thing. It might as well be walking on water. Because when I talk to people, they're in the boat. There's like, there's no way I'll ever be out of debt. This is just the way it is in our culture. You can't live without it. You can. But it takes crazy faith. And and yeah, I get it. Peter got walking, and he was focused on Jesus, and he was doing the miraculous. You can do the miraculous. You can kill your debt. But there's going to come a time where a crisis comes. And I promise you, in that moment, you will feel just like Peter. You will feel like you are drowning. You will hope that you can swim back to the boat and that the banks will take care of you again and you can just be sunk in that. And you'll feel like you're safe, but you're not. 
But the thing that happened with Peter is as he was drowning, Jesus says, Jesus, Jesus understands Peter lost the focus on Jesus. He lost the faith component. He's just walking on his own. He's only trying to do it on his own, but all of a sudden now he's doing it with Jesus and he cries out, Lord, save me. I promise you that you will be in a moment. You will be killing your debt and you will face a crisis. Do not think it's easy. You will be so excited when you're walking on the water. You will be on cloud nine, but then all of a sudden you will be sunk because a crisis will come. And in that moment, you will have to have a choice to say, Jesus, I have to have faith in you. I've been working the system. I've been trying to get my household out of debt and now I'm sunk again. I need you, Jesus. Because Jesus never looked down at Peter, never said he had lack of faith for getting out of the boat. That was great. We, Peter needs commended for getting out of the boat for at least trying. Jesus said that he had little faith because he lost his focus on Jesus. And if you start on this debt journey of trying to get rid of it, there will come a time where you feel a crisis. And in that moment, whether you're single or a couple, you have got to stay focused on Jesus. Your faith, you have to choose faith over fear or it'll all come unraveling. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, there is nothing more horrible, more terrible than putting your household in financial crisis and having to face that. There's nothing more humbling and terrible of feeling. Don't do it. The banks do not love you. The credit card companies do not love you. The dealerships and stores, they do not love you. The rich rule over the poor. The people with money will call the shots in a society and each one of us has a choice whether or not they will rule over us or not. And with that regard, I also want to state in regards to our opportunity to respond, there is nothing better. There is nothing greater. I cannot explain to you how amazing it is, how amazing it was for Nicole and I this week to, to talk about our finances and to be preparing our pledge for Pledge Sunday and to be able to pledge money that we had. We're prepared to fill out that pledge card and give, but like we don't need to give the credit card number. Because, because God was so gracious and helped us stay focused, we're going to be able to give. And I understand this is a hard thing. This is a time where our culture's in tons of debt and we're trying to do a building project. I just have to submit to the fact that God's sovereign. And, and please, I know, I know it's hard to ask that you give to our general fund. Our general fund's behind. We're about 50,000 behind. We're not you know, paying all our bills and then we're trying to do a building fund. And I don't get it. I don't know why now. But... Maybe it's for dependence on the Lord. So if you call Mountain View Church your home, I, I just need you to look at your finances. We need you to, and there is lots of stuff, I'm sure. I, I know Yukon culture. There's lots of stuff that we're all spending on money, money on that we don't need. And so first, you know, I would ask you if possible, you know, take care of our ministries. I don't want our ministry leaders to be in a spending freeze. I want them to be able to spend money on their ministries, you know. And so think about how you can give to that. And then next week, come prepared. 
to make a pledge. And I don't know what that number is. It doesn't have to be a lot. But just say, I, I want to have a legacy in our city. We know that by having a bigger, a bigger property, a bigger building, and having it specifically in that location of the city, we will have a greater gospel impact. So that's our goal. And so I would just ask you, please do not go into deeper debt for our building. I do not believe that God would honor that decision. Use your disposable income. Use the stuff that you're spending on coffee or fun, whatever your fun is and hobbies. Use that money. Don't turn the lights off in your house or in our church to pay for a new building. I, I just do not believe God wants us to do that. Now we're going to sing a song. Uh, Phil chose this song without me fully knowing. I found out this morning, but it's just so beautiful how the Holy Spirit really pulled this together. This song, it's pretty well known, uh, sung a lot in churches uh, the past few years. But it's all about that moment with Peter when he took his eyes off of Jesus and his faith started to wane. He had so much faith at the start, more than any of the other disciples in the boat. But as soon as we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start doing it on our own, we're done. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You're facing all this debt. You're facing maybe loss of job. Maybe you're facing some crisis that I don't know about in your marriage or whatever. If you're trying to do it without Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus was the one that saved Peter and Jesus is the one that can save you. And today you can give your life to Jesus and he will bring you a hope and a peace and a freedom that you've never known before. But each one of us has to make that decision. We have to choose. Because at the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. That was a statement in the Greco-Roman world that mean the debt is paid. And at the start, they wonder, what does that even mean? What is he saying? The debt is paid, it is finished. But what that meant is that your sin placed us in debt. We were in bondage because of that debt, because of that sin. And Jesus on the cross wiped it clean. And I cannot tell you, in Canada, there are too many Christians that have allowed the gospel to impact every part of their life except their finances. And it's not right. Our finances should speak the freedom of the gospel. Being debt-free financially is a picture of the gospel and the cross, that every debt is paid. And there are so many people in our city that are in debt and don't know how to get out, and we have the keys to help. And we don't use it because we haven't even used it on ourselves. And so as we sing these words, you know, we're going to stand and we're going to sing them, and it needs to be a prayer, each one of us. We need to get alone with the Holy Spirit and say, I want these words to be mine. I don't want to live the same way I've been living. I do not want my finances to be with. I don't want my relationship. I want my household to feel freedom. I want to reject slavery and bondage. And I start with you, Jesus. And so as a church, before we go to pledge money next week, we're going to spend time here and we're going to get our hearts right. And we're going to cry out these lyrics and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to do something miraculous in our hearts this week. Father in heaven, I thank you for sending your son. We were steeped in bondage of debt from our sin. And you, a holy God, how could we approach you? And yet you loved us enough. You love us far more than the ravens, the lilies, any of creation, all the majesty we see in the Yukon. And yet we're the pinnacle of your creation. It's hard to believe. 
you love us that much. And yet you loved us so much you sent your son to die for us and wipe that debt clean. Father, I, I thank you that I was in, that I'm not in that place of debt. And for anyone that, that is experiencing the sin of debt and that they've allowed the gospel to penetrate their hearts and minds, but not their finances, I pray, Jesus, please give them freedom. Today, as we cry out to you in preparation for Pledge Sunday, may you convict us, may you show us the sin in our life that we need to change. And Father, as, as husbands and wives and singles and friends, as they go home and they have discussions with their family or their roommates on, may there be accountability, may there not be war. I know that finances can lead relationships to just all-out war. I pray that they would center on you. May they pull in mentors and parents and grandparents and friends that might help them. Lord, do something miraculous in our church this morning. Do something miraculous this week. May we be a church that reaches our city with a freedom that no one has ever known. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Mountain View Church Audio. If God has used this message to impact your life today, I'd love to hear about it. Drop me a message at jeremy at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca or on your favorite social network at Pastor Jeremy Norton. To get connected with Mountain View Church or to support Mountain View Ministries through a financial gift, please visit mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. That's mountainviewwhitehorse.ca.